0: Welcome to the Is It Worth It podcast. This is a self-worth podcast. My name is Roshni Patel. I am the founder of Betty Brew Up and the founder of Self Worth Coaching. Something that I've learned in my own healing and through my client experiences is that while we may have surface level problems such as financial issues or relationship issues, Whenever it really comes to the core of it, what we struggle with is feeling like we deserve to be happy, feeling like we are enough and worthy of our dreams, and feeling like we are worthy of love and thus a good life. And so, from those realizations, I created the concept of self worth coaching. I currently offer both single session self worth coaching and self worth coaching in the form of a three month package that is currently the most detailed and in-depth way to work with me. But if you are interested in learning more right now, there is comprehensive information about everything. On my website, www.betigrewup.com, you can head to the show notes below and all of the links are there or just go to betigrewup.com and you will find more details on my personal story, what self-worth coaching is, how it can help you, all the ways that you can work with me and so much more. So this podcast specifically is all about diving into how self-worth plays a role in different areas of our lives and I've been lucky enough to also include guests along with solo episodes. There is so much goodness in this podcast and I cannot wait to dive into another episode with you. So thank you so so much for listening. If you have been enjoying the podcast, make sure that you leave a rating and a review and share the podcast on social media and tag me at BETI grew Up. Let's jump into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new solo episode. I'm so excited to be back and sitting down with you guys, and I wanted this episode to be a little bit different, so I'm kind of focusing on a variety of topics instead of just one topic and how it relates to self-worth. And I got that idea because it was my 27th birthday earlier this month. My birthday is July 2nd, and so That kind of inspired me to share some of the lessons that I've learned this year and just some general thoughts on spirituality, manifestation, relationships, and especially how a lot of these things can affect us as people of color. If you like this kind of episode, make sure you let me know. You can either tag me on Instagram or you can leave a review on Apple Podcast, just saying that you enjoy this style of episode or don't, and that will help me make sure that I'm creating what you all want to hear and enjoy in the future. So with all that being said, let's just go ahead and jump into the first lesson, and this is one of those lessons that (laughs) it sounds really, really dumb, but it's also quite profound, and I've found that a lot of spiritual lessons that I've had or a lot of realizations have been really simple sounding and they almost sound stupid when you say them out loud, but they've made some of the biggest changes in my mindset and in my perspective. So I'm just going to share what it is and then we'll talk about it and why it's important. Okay, so this lesson is that when you feel bad about something that's probably because the thing is bad. When you feel good about something, that's probably because the thing is good. So, stay with me because I know that sounds really dumb and really obvious right now, but this advice is actually extremely difficult for a lot of people to really understand. And why that happens is a lot of us, especially people who struggle with low self-worth, tend to be people pleasers, or we tend to be comfortable changing ourselves or breaking our personal boundaries to make other people happy, right? But another important crossover is that if you grew up either in a household that had emotionally abusive tendencies or mentally abusive tendencies in which you were gap- or you were not allowed to express your emotions, if you grew up even around the kind of mindset that people just suck things up, that life is always going to be hard, but it doesn't really matter how you feel or what your emotions are, that you just have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and accomplish things because that's what people do, that's all the kind of mentality that pushes you to ignore your own emotions, right? And often to ignore your own intuition and your own better judgment. And so for example, Example, a lot of people may, you know, you may be familiar with being in a relationship where you're honestly pretty miserable all the time, right? Maybe they forget to call you or they stand you up for dates or maybe they're just always late or maybe one day they didn't remember your birthday, right? Um, There's so many of us that are in relationships that we are settling in, right? That we are settling for. So many of us will spend time. Going over every little detail, going over what we could do differently, going over, you know, why they could be reacting to us this way or what we can do to start, you know, working even harder at the relationship and making things better. But the thing is, if you constantly felt bad in that relationship, if that person makes you feel bad, then that relationship is honestly just not the best relationship. The same thing goes for a work situation. If you constantly show up at your desk feeling sick, I've had physical symptoms when I've worked at jobs that I absolutely hated, where my stomach would be in knots from the moment I wake up. I feel nauseous, I can't eat. All of those things were massive signs that those careers and those jobs were not for me. But for years, I pushed myself through all of those symptoms, through how miserable I was feeling, because I said, well, everyone has a job. Most people have a job that they hate this is just something that I have to deal with to exist in the world, right? While it seems like, well, of course a bad thing is bad and a good thing is good, that's like the most obvious thing I've ever heard. Yes, but at the same time, we often deal with and put up with so many things in our life and we just constantly force ourselves to be the ones to mold to the situation, to change into what we think we need to be. There are times where you should Be able to confront and deal with your mindset and shift that before trying to control everyone else or blow up your whole life, right? But there are also plenty of situations, especially in the lives of people who struggle with self-worth where we are settling for a lot less than what we are capable of and a lot less than what we deserve, right? And so for a lot of us, it's easier for us instead of changing the situation, instead of giving up on someone who doesn't treat us well, instead we tend to gaslight ourselves. We tend to tell ourselves, oh, it's actually not that bad and you know, you just need to try a little harder. And those are the thoughts that you have to watch out for, right? Because those are the times where you are feeling bad, you are feeling lied to or betrayed, or like you can't trust anyone, or like no one's going to take care of you. And from those negative emotions, you are still trying to convince yourself that it's going to be okay, that everything is fine, that you need to continue to stay in this situation and change what you're doing, or you need to let things go and be a chiller person, right? Be someone that doesn't cause a fuss, be more easygoing. And all of those are ways that we as people who struggle with self-worth end up reinforcing these situations in our lives where we don't feel good. And so we get those messages from out outside sources, we internalize those feelings of not feeling good enough and then we cling to them and cling to these outside sources over and over again and it becomes this whole cycle where unless you consciously break out of it and unless you put your foot down and say I deserve better, it's just going to be a giant feedback loop, a giant cycle of you experiencing things that make you feel unworthy that confirm that you're not good enough and you use that as evidence for why you should stay in those situations. Do you get what I'm saying? And so while a lot of people may find it really easy to say, okay, well this thing makes me unhappy so I'm gonna walk away, if you've grown up with a narcissistic parent, if you've grown up with emotional abuse, if you struggle with low self-worth as a result of those things, if you had to really be there as the emotional support for your parents or for all of your siblings at a very young age, these can all be factors that cause you to be in this situation where you wear the burden of everyone else's emotions, where you have to be the one to change how you feel for the betterment of everyone else around you, right? And that's a cycle that we consciously need to break in adulthood because in adulthood is when we finally get control over our lives and over our experiences. And when you don't take control of that, and when you settle for less, that causes you to believe that you don't have control over your life, but you do. It's so important for you to create a new life that reflects your worthiness back to you, that reflects love back to you, that reflects importance back to you. So that was the first lesson that I've really been feeling into this year and that has really allowed me to understand more of how I really feel without me gaslighting myself, without me telling myself that I shouldn't feel that way, or feeling guilty for feeling how I feel. Instead, I just try to listen to those emotions as much as possible, and when they come up again and again and again, at that point, it's a pattern and I know that it's not just me needing to shift my mindset or not just me needing to be more grateful, but it's actually something that is not aligning with my highest good in, for my future, right? And in my life. And that gives me the, the confirmation that I need to make a change. And before, I finish um, talking about this, there's one more situation that I wanted to bring up, essentially a way for me to advertise myself in a local community. And the entire time I kept thinking, you know, this should be such a great opportunity. This is so great for me. Um, you know, this is something that I'm sure I've always wanted. But as I kept, you know, talking to the organization that I would be working with, as I kept, you know, getting in touch by the people who, you know, would help me create this advertising slot, I, I kept feeling bad. Every single one of those interactions made me feel bad, and I didn't feel necessarily bad about just myself, but just something about it felt off. It kept coming up, and it kept coming up, and I tried to just tell myself, no, I'm just afraid, but this is still a good opportunity. Or, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm nervous, I still have to take advantage of this. And so... Eventually by the end I decided not to move forward with this opportunity. And ever since then I've been so glad that I didn't. And I started out, you know, like I said, gaslighting myself, telling myself that I should just be grateful, that it was okay, that of course I'm afraid and of course I'm nervous. But when I really thought about it, it wasn't just fear, because I do things that confront my fears every single day. That's what owning a small business is, especially as a person of color, especially as a non-binary person, right? And so I deal with things that make me afraid, that make me nervous all the time, and I knew that this wasn't just that feeling, that there were ways that I was getting screwed over, that it wasn't going to be as good of an opportunity as I was trying to make it out to be, and I don't regret not following through with that one bit, right? And so that's just another example of where there was this shiny new opportunity in front of my face, and I kept trying to tell myself, well, this should be good, this should be amazing, I should be grateful for this, but really, it just makes me feel bad. And so I hope that that kind of clarifies things a little bit because there's also that role of what looks good from the outside, what society will applaud you for that makes you think, oh well I should do this and this should be how I feel. But when it's really not true for you, then that's all that matters. When it doesn't make you personally feel good, that's when you need to start listening to yourself that's your intuition speaking up to you right and i just want to make one final clarification here again about the whole spiritual bypassing thing because i'm not talking about spiritual bypassing and i'm not talking about not holding yourself accountable you shouldn't gaslight yourself into thinking things are good when they are not i'm not saying for you to just walk away from every opportunity and not hold yourself accountable and not work through things i hope that that also makes sense and is clear. The next lesson that I've been learning is that doubt is okay and fear is okay, right? And it's been a really difficult journey to battle against fear and to say no I shouldn't be afraid before doing this thing and instead to accept fear and accept things like guilt and shame, right? These are very primal emotions that all of us have and To learn how to coexist with them, to learn how to learn from them is just as if not more important than learning how to quote-unquote beat them, right? And there's such an idea when it comes to emotions that there are positive emotions and negative emotions and this is something that from day one of my coaching practice and my content I've said that this isn't true, right? Emotions are just teachers. When you are Afraid of something, it is important to use that fear as a teacher, right? To say, okay, first of all, what is an actual rational fear? in this fear that i have right so when i was thinking about leaving my corporate job to you know pursue my coaching business i knew that there were some very real fears that could go into that including not being able to pay my rent or not being able to pay my bills or coming up against an emergency that i couldn't afford right and so i had to use that fear and say okay what can i learn from this how much do i need to have saved what are the possible things that could realistically go wrong, or that could even unrealistically go wrong, right? And that wasn't to catapult myself into every single scenario that could go wrong, but it was just to say, okay, my fear has some valid lessons for me. So within that, what can I do to prepare myself and work alongside this fear because it is trying to teach me or warn me of something, right? But on the other hand, it's also important with fear to understand that you're not ever really trying to make it go away. Yes, you're going to get better and better at doing things that scare you. Yes, you're going to get better and better at doing things outside of your comfort zone. And the more that you just start doing things outside of your comfort zone, the more that your comfort zone is going to grow and grow and grow. And so you can continue to live kind of at the edge of your comfort zone and still be doing things that scare you for years and for your whole life and not be held back by your fears and your comfort zone, right? But the important thing to remember is that it's not about waiting for the fear to go away. It's not about waiting for everything to vanish and for you to feel ready or for everything to feel perfect, like it's the perfect time. You know, so many of us get caught up in waiting for the perfect time for everything to happen and, you know, sitting back and, and waiting for things to fall into place. But that's how so many of us just lose time, right? That's how so many of us just wait around for our dreams to happen or wait around for the perfect time. And then by the time we're done waiting or sick of waiting, all we've lost is time and energy towards our goals, right? Then we're even more unmotivated and it's harder to get the momentum going again. So instead of waiting for fear to go away or instead of waiting for your doubts about the future to go away, you have to learn how to just manage them and allow them to be there, right? Allow them to be alongside the Motivation that you have alongside the inspiration that you find in your work or in your goals. And so allowing them to just kind of be around as you are pursuing your goals or as you are, you know, paving a brighter future for yourself, that will allow you to not only do the scary things, but also to commit to a life of knowing that you're going to be scared and trusting that you're going to do the right thing for yourself anyway right? And before when I would try to force myself to make the fear go away, I would spend time, you know, just journaling or just waiting around or trying to learn more and more until I wasn't afraid. And all of that time was just essentially wasted, right? I basically procrastinated and hoped that that would make my fear go away, but it never does. The only thing that can make your fear go away is by doing those things over and over again and by practicing, right? So for example, I had a fear of going live on Instagram, something about like the idea that I was that I was being broadcasted in that live moment online would make me really nervous. So the only way that I got over that fear was by doing it again and again until that started to become part of my comfort zone. But at the same time, if I had waited until the fear was completely gone to even start, I wouldn't have even done my first Instagram Live yet, right? And so that's how those things can kind of coincide. And something else that reminds me about how fear can be a lesson is also the idea of imposter syndrome, which is something else that a lot of us who struggle with self-worth deal with we tend to feel like we are not good enough for a certain job that they hired us as a mistake or that everyone else they hired is much more competent or much more capable than we are and we're just here by mistake or you know that we think too highly of ourselves and that's why we applied to this opportunity but now that we're here we have no reason to be here but i did actually hear recently about the positive sides of imposter syndrome, right? And so that can include, you know, doing extra research about the position that you are about to fill or, you know, diving in deeper to learn more about the concept that you are about to present to everyone in your department. And so we can look at these emotions even though they are really scary or even though they make us not feel good enough and say okay what can I learn from this and then how can I not let it stop me and that one two step can make sure that you are as prepared as you need to be can make sure that you are listening to your intuition in those moments where something might not feel easy but still making sure that those feelings aren't going to stop you from doing the next best thing from from pursuing your goal that you set out to accomplish and to wrap up this lesson i just want to say that you are exactly where you need to be i think so much of our fear and so much of our doubt even A lot of my fears and doubts lately have been around this idea of not being further along in life, or not having accomplished more at this age, and all of those thoughts about being behind or being on kind of an incorrect timeline. So I just wanted to take this time to remind you that you are not behind, right? And that just because things have gone wrong in your past doesn't mean that they are going to continue to go wrong in your future. And I also want to remind you that... By staying consistent, by taking one foot in front of the other consistently, you are still making progress. Progress is better than perfection, first of all, but you are committing to a better life and sometimes, and for a lot of people, it can take a long time to create that momentum of success, but then once you've really been working at that, it can catapult into an arena that you never even saw for yourself, right? And so I just want to remind you that just as much as you might feel like you are behind on a timeline, we don't really know when that timeline is immediately going to speed up. We don't really know that it could take one or two opportunities to completely change our lives, right? And so I just want to remind you that if you're having that feeling of I'm not good enough, I'm behind, everyone else is further along than me, but you are still actively working towards a an incredible passion of yours or You know that something is in your life purpose to do, but you are just getting so doubtful because everyone else is over here getting married and having kids and buying houses and you're still in a small apartment trying to work on your dreams coming true. Just know that first of all, you're not alone. And second of all, you are given those dreams for a reason. You are given that purpose for a reason and you are absolutely doing the right thing by sticking to it. And just because things didn't go well in your life in the past or just because because you maybe made some missteps or had to deal with some really difficult things in childhood, that doesn't mean that that is going to be your future. And so something, an analogy came to my mind just the other day about how trees don't cry over their fallen leaves. So at a certain point, it's also important to not let The past holds you back. And you know, things like inner child healing, things like dealing with trauma, or even if you have some form of PTSD or CPTSD, it makes sense that you're going to have random flashbacks come back. It makes sense that you are going to have to continue your healing for a lifetime. But just because you have to continue that healing in little ways doesn't mean that you have to put your entire life on hold until all of those things are solved, quote unquote, right? And it's okay to take that time to, to be upset about what you've gone through. But after a certain point, that itself can also be holding you back, right? Constantly focusing on the past, constantly focusing on how things weren't fair. You do have to allow those emotions to breathe and to be felt. But at the same time, if it's been years of you feeling that way and not being able to move on because you're just so upset about what happened in the past, you might be kind of stuck in a feeling of pity, right? And that's not going to help you move forward. That's not going to help you rewrite your own life or create a better future for yourself. It's just going to keep you feeling miserable about what happened to you. It's going to keep you stuck in the past. And that's something that we don't want right because you do deserve a bright future you do deserve to make a positive impact on the world and you do deserve to live a life where you're not constantly haunted by everything that happened in your past and that's okay to allow yourself to break out of that right so i wanted to end that second lesson with those reminders because those have been extremely helpful for me recently and i hope that they provided you a little bit of encouragement So I wanted to take a little break from these lessons to really talk about something that really bothers me about when people talk about manifestation online. And that is when people say, especially like BIPOC, say that manifestation is only for like pretty rich white women. Let's not all lie. We all know that white privilege exists. We all know that pretty privilege exists. We all know that we live in a capitalistic society, right? And that people who start off with more funds can get to higher statuses or can make even more money out of the money that they start with, right? We all know that. And of course, I am by no means denying that that those privileges exist. But at the same time, manifestation at its core and in its history is something that is rooted out of Buddhism and Hinduism. This is something that ancient societies have been practicing for thousands of years, and I say ancient because it started then and of course has continued in different ways to modern society. But it frustrates me so much when people, especially people of color, overlook those histories of manifestations and completely just think that it is a white thing or a new age thing or like a white people hippy dippy thing because it's not and this is an example of our practices as in East Asian and South Asian cultures being completely whitewashed and given a whole new look and a whole new face honestly taken somewhat incorrectly from what the original sources say and claim and package to Create This whole world that people think is new or people think is like this thing that white people invented when manifestation very much is real. And I know this because I've seen examples of it in my life. I've seen examples of it in my friend's lives, in my partner's life, in Examples from stories of people online or celebrities, there are countless examples of how manifestations work. And all the people in my life that have these amazing manifestation stories, even my own life, none of us are white people, right? And so to think that, first of all, manifestation is something that came from white people or is a new age thought, whatever that's supposed to mean, especially because like new age goes back even decades now. So like what what is really new about it? There's nothing new about all these new age practices. They're just whitewashed versions of ancient practices and ancient cultural beliefs and ancient religious beliefs that are now just packaged in a new way and being profited off of by white people. And that's what pisses me off more than anything, especially because algorithms on YouTube and TikTok and whatever other social media will promote white or white-looking people much more. And we've seen this with TikTok especially. There's more and more studies coming out about how the algorithm really does prefer and boost European features and white faces, right? And so that in itself is what has contributed to so many white people being the face of things like manifestation. And just because these social media sites boost their content to the top doesn't mean that they are really even talking about the correct thing. And it sure as hell doesn't mean that they're the ones who came up with it. And nothing makes me more pissed, again, like I keep saying, than BIPOC believing this, especially because we deserve... The practices of manifestation. So many people of color will write off manifestation as something that doesn't work or something that's fake when you could be benefiting off of it. And that's what makes me so upset because we need to see more BIPOC winning. We need to see more of us in front of more faces being more successful. I want to see more of us thriving. And I'm not saying that manifestation is the only way that you're going to be successful. Of course, that's not true, but why not have more on your side when you are working in a system that is doing everything to suppress you and push you down? Why not use everything that you have on your side, especially because things like manifestation are free, right? You don't have to pay tens of thousands of dollars for a certain degree or a certain certification. You don't have to go out of your way to know X amount of connections or people. You just have to believe in manifestation. And there's so many different ways of doing that. And co-creation is truly what I believe in more than just sitting back and wishing for something is really actively taking risks, making decisions, acting as if you already have it because those actions are what will help bring it into your reality. It's just so important for us as black indigenous people of color to know that these practices are for us that they can benefit us right and even utilizing the power of your wise well and healed ancestors is incredible like why not use any bit of extra power extra guidance that you can because we're already living in a system that is trying to break us down and something i want to mention about co-creation is that I've had some experiences with co-creation lately and it really is about making decisions that bet on yourself, right? So co-creation and manifestation can kind of go hand in hand, but something about manifestation and this whitewashed way of talking about it that also bothers me is this idea that you just write things down in a journal or you just think things and then they're immediately gonna come true and if you think something bad, then that is gonna come true and so you have to keep all of your thoughts at this extra, extra high vibe perspective and that's why in the last lesson I also wanted to talk about how it's okay to have fear on your side it's okay to have fear alongside you chasing these goals because sometimes fear does really help you out in situations and make sure that you're not doing something that isn't right for you but also because it's never going to fully go away right and that's something that people get wrong about manifestation all the time they think oh if I'm afraid of something, or if I'm having a low vibe thought, then I'm not going to be able to reach any of my manifestations, I'm not going to be able to reach any of my goals, and so on and so forth, right? But that's absolutely not true, and that's where co-creation comes in, because not only are you thinking about what you want, and obviously trying to do what you can to believe that, to act as if, but you're also making decisions that align with that. So for example, if you have a dream of you know owning your own cafe and someone comes alongside and asks you to be a chef in their restaurant, but you don't own the cafe yet, you don't have proof that you are going to be a cafe owner, part of co-creation could be you turning down that job as a chef in someone else's restaurant and instead taking a bet on yourself that you are going to be the owner of a cafe, that you need this time in order to find the right place and develop the menu and do whatever else you need to do to make sure that all the stuff is ready in the background for you to own this cafe and then you continue acting as if it's going to happen as if you already have it and Through those actions, you are able to co-create with the universe and make that your reality, right? But if you were manifesting and only thinking about your thoughts and not putting action into it, you could say, Oh, I would love to have my cafe one day. I'm going to have a cafe one day, but then continue making bets against yourself by saying yes to the job where you're a chef in a restaurant and that eats up most of your time and then you're too exhausted to pursue this dream of owning your own cafe. You're too tired to develop a new set of recipes and to work towards something that is going to take so much more time and energy than you thought. You have to also take actions and make decisions that place bets on yourself, that allow the universe to be guided to what you want, right? And that's what co-creation is. And so I wanted to also share where we see manifestation being talked about in Hinduism and Buddhism, right? And so I'm, again, no expert on these religions. There, I'm sure, are plenty of people out there who can talk about this in more detail, and if you do have more information on this or you'd like to add anything to what I'm saying, I would love to hear from you. I will leave a link in the show notes if there's anything you wanted to add or anything you want to say about this that you can share with my listeners as well. But a lot of the idea of the law of attraction or manifestation from Hinduism comes from the idea of karma, right? So the idea that you have to face accountability for your actions and that through that same idea you can use things like the law of attraction or the law of assumption to your benefit, right? So if you are going to be held accountable by, by karma, the law of karma with whatever you do, good or bad, then you can take that knowledge and use it to work with what you want to. You can put out things in the world that you want to receive, that you want to experience the benefit of, and you can trust in the law of karma to bring that back to you, right? And so that's where love attraction kind of originates from or connects to in the field of Hinduism. And then in Buddhism, there's a quote from Buddha that says, all we are is a result of all that we have thought. And so this again shows that connection between thinking about what you want and the manifestation of that in the real world. So I hope that all of that connects and makes sense, but I just wanted to add that because manifestation is for people of color. It is for us. It was created by us, right? And so don't get it twisted and feeling like, oh, this is a rich, white, privileged girl thing to do because it absolutely is not. And if anything, they are stealing this practice that has been by us and for us for centuries. So it is time for us to stick to our power, to reclaim that and to use it for our benefit so that we can see more of us winning. The next point I have to talk about is BIPOC deserve to cut people off too. That BIPOC can have family problems too. And this is someone coming from an Indian culture where the culture is very collectivist, where the elders are always right, where you are, you know, supposed to Be a family and protect your family above all else. And there are so many beautiful values in that, and there's absolutely nothing objectively wrong with that at all. That's part of what makes our culture so beautiful and what makes so many other collectivist cultures so beautiful too. I'm in no way saying that we have to all be individualist or that it should be every man on its own. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is when there are actual toxic people in your family, whether it's one person, whether it is your whole immediate family that just kind of has this dynamic that constantly brings you down, that constantly pits one family member against the other, or where parents pit one sibling against the other. There's so many examples in all cultures where There are parents who are either narcissistic or there are parents who are just abusive, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, to their children. So many of us as BIPOC are not given the opportunity or the fair place to say that we can cut people off too. That we don't have to stick by our family just because we are people of color. And I think that that is such an important perspective and decision to make. And again, like I truly love family. I think family is so important. But at the same time, there are people where it's just way too toxic to be around them. It's not beneficial for anyone, the fights aren't going to move forward, and when you try to have a serious conversation, you either get gaslit, like I mentioned in my first point, or you are essentially told that you have no reason to complain, even if you are well into your adulthood, that you just need to sit down and be quiet, that you don't know what you're talking about. And when you're in that kind of situation where there is no way out, there no one else is taking accountability for their actions, you constantly feel isolated, you feel like you can't progress into a healthy relationship with anyone in your family or with that particular family member, I just want to remind you that even if you are a BIPOC, even if you have a very strong sense of culture and family, that it is still okay for you to either cut that person off completely, or for you to limit your contact with them, or for you to move away. and. This is something that we don't give ourselves permission to do often, and that we have so much guilt and so much shame around. And this is something that I've been working with one of my clients with for a long time. This is something that I face in my own life, and so I have very deep connections to this topic, and I just don't think there's enough people of color talking about this experience. And you know what's so crazy is I just turned around and glanced at one of my old vision which has a bunch of quotes on it and one of the quotes is you've got to learn to leave the table when love's no longer being served and that it's by the beautiful Nina Simone and that really sums up what this conversation is about and you know how much more epic that it's coming from a beautiful and talented woman of color right but this applies to families too and with so many of us especially as BIPOC there are so many of us who are the ones to break these cycles in our families, right? We are the ones to break through generational curses, break through generational traumas, and get to the point where we are now to make a difference for the future generations to come, to make a difference for, even if we don't have kids, the children that we have in our lives or the people that Learn from around us, the people who we serve as mentors to or as leaders to, right? And it's just really important to allow yourself to have that permission. And yes, guilt is going to be an inevitable part of it, especially because our cultures truly prioritize and value family. Shame is going to be a part of it as well, because so many of our cultures, especially speaking about South Asian ones, are so hyper fixated on what will people think and on how we might bring shame to our family's name and things like that but we are the ones who are here to break those harmful patterns and family is not family to me if it's if i'm being abused if i'm not able to live a life where i feel healthy and where i feel happy and where i'm allowed to be myself then what's the point like what am i here for and that's how these generational patterns end up surviving and lasting for generations because someone has to, instead of fighting against it, instead of breaking away from it, they live within it or there's no way for them to escape, especially if it's, you know, centuries ago or in a in a time or a place where there are much fewer options than what we currently have so if you have options to step away from a family member that is abusive or someone that is truly toxic and you've tried to have the conversations with them you've tried to be you know mature about it and explain how you feel and if your boundaries are constantly being crossed if you are constantly being disrespected then it's okay to distance yourself it's okay to cut them off it's okay to do those things. It's okay to choose yourself. And I just think that that's such an important message in order for us to thrive, in order for us to live our best lives, we really do have to cut away things that are sucking our energy. And one last thing I want to say about what it feels like when you are in this situation where you live with someone who is abusing you or who is just absolutely toxic to you, when you feel like you can't be yourself, then you are absolutely doing yourself a disservice. That directly translates to holding yourself back I know that when I'm in the same household with people who treat me this way, I struggle to eat, I struggle to sleep, I have really bad insomnia and a low appetite, and that's just two of the physical symptoms that I have, but not being able to sleep well, not being able to eat well, first of all, those are things that I enjoy doing, but those are also things that keep us healthy, right, for everyone across the board. And so when those two basic foundational things aren't available to me or aren't really happening for me, then how am I supposed to thrive on top of that, right? Like when your basic needs aren't being met, how are you supposed to surpass all of that and thrive within the same household? And I just want to make this point clear, which I've said before, and that is that you're not going to be able to heal in an environment that makes you sick. This is one of the most important lessons that you really can learn about yourself and about what is going to be good for you, right? And this actually relates to that first point about what's bad is bad and what's good is good. I had to realize that I can't just force myself to function in an environment where I can barely eat and sleep. I need to branch out on my own and create a safe space for myself. And since creating that space for myself, not only have I started my personal growth journey and started my healing process, but I've also started a business. I've created so many new friendships that are actually supportive. I have a six plus year long relationship with a partner who loves me and appreciates me, right? And like my entire life, not only do I have my needs met, but I am thriving, right? And yes, there's still room for improvement in my life. Yes, I still have goals and want to accomplish even more than what I've already accomplished, but now I can see how that's going to happen. If I had never given myself that chance, then I wouldn't be in this situation right now. I would spend so much time and energy just trying to keep my head above water, just trying to tread this current, and that does nothing for me. That does nothing for the world, right? And again, if I'd also kept myself in that situation, I wouldn't be here recording this podcast for you. I wouldn't have things to say because I'm still in a situation that does. That doesn't appreciate me, that doesn't allow me to explore and be free and understand who I really am and act in accordance to that. Okay, and this brings me to my very last point, which is that life is going to be messy, and so many of us wait for a time, like I was saying earlier, we wait for things to be perfect, we wait for our fear to go away, we wait until we can make a clean cut from our family or from people around us, and it doesn't always work that way, right? so many of us spend time waiting for a clean cut or waiting for the perfect way for us to cut off contact with someone who's toxic. And yes, you should prioritize your safety. Yes, you should have your next steps in mind or have work toward those next steps if you are leaving a dangerous situation. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't prepare or plan on how to do that, but I'm just saying that sometimes we think that everything just happens perfectly or that everything is gonna fall into place perfectly. And this was a thought that I really held in my head. I would admire people who had a clean cut from their family or from that toxic person who was holding themselves back, right? I really looked at people who made that decision and I admired them and I thought, how can I do that? How can I have this clean cut where I talk to this person one day and then I don't talk to them the next day and I tell them that we're done? or that this relationship is over or that it can't progress under these circumstances. And what I've had to realize from the experience of other people in my life, from the experience of these people who I thought had a clean cut but didn't actually, was that it's always messy, right? It's not like, especially if it's like a parent or even a former significant other, there might be times where they try to contact you again, or there might be times where, you know, you have to call them back to get documents or to get stuff in order to move out. You might have to cut them off and then, contact them again because you need something, right? Or or they might try to reach out to you again because someone else in your family is sick. Like there's so many situations and so many scenarios where cutting someone off or ending a relationship can be more complicated and that by no means is a way to say that you have to stay in this relationship but it's just to say that life gets messy and you can expect it to be messy and that's okay you shouldn't use the fact that you're not sure how to make a clean cut as a reason for staying in a toxic situation longer than you need to, right? And it's okay for things to be messy. It's okay to, you know, move into an Airbnb before you move into your apartment. So even, even if that doesn't feel like you are officially home yet or like you've made it on your own, you can still take that step because it's the first next healthiest step you can take away from this toxic situation. You might need to take some of your essentials and leave and then you have to come back or Or use your house key or call someone and say, I still need some of my stuff, you know? And maybe that results in another fight. But at the same time, you're still choosing yourself. You're still doing what's right for you. And going back and having a fight over stuff or going back into into that situation and and having a negative experience all that does is confirm why you're leaving in the first place all that does is that is confirm that this is a toxic situation for you and that's okay that it is a little bit messy that you thought you would never talk to them again and then here you are talking to the big to them again. I don't mean this in a way that you are sacrificing yourself or that you are constantly going back on yourself or that you keep calling your ex even though you know that they're not good for you. I'm not saying that that's what's okay. Um, or that that is what has to happen, but I'm saying that in some situations, it's not always going to be a clean cut. And this doesn't just have to exist in the idea of a toxic relationship, right? This can happen when it comes to switching careers. You might think that you have a job lined up and then quit your job and then something falls through and now you're out of a job. You might, you know, have a friendship where you want to be done with that person but you still work at the same place or you still have mutual friends in common. Just because there are those aspects that make the severing that make it complicated or that make it messy doesn't mean that you shouldn't have made that decision and one last example of that is just the concept of divorce right so many divorces are messy there can be a lot of situations with different assets, with custody battles, with so many things that make it complicated, that keep you in contact with the person that you don't want to be in contact with any longer. But at the same time, does that mean that you shouldn't get a divorce and that you should stay in this awful relationship where you're not happy for the rest of your life? No. It's okay for things to be messy. It's okay to make a big decision for your benefit and then it ends up messy or it ends up taking longer than you thought it would take, or you have to talk to that person more than what you originally wanted to do, that's okay because you're still taking the steps that you need to take to make the right decision for yourself. And avoiding a few conflicts or a few confrontations is not enough to keep yourself in a bad situation or to keep yourself staying small. In life, there is so much more to go and get. There are so many other beautiful people in the world than to stay back and just stay with someone because you're comfortable, right? And so that's the last lesson that has been really, really important for me to learn because sometimes I feel like, oh, if something is messy, then I'm making the wrong decision. If I have to go back and contact this person after I decided that I don't want them in my life, then I'm a failure, then I'm not doing this right, then I'm weak, and those things are not true. Sometimes you just have to have those conversations. Sometimes you have, you need a document or you need to settle a custody agreement. Sometimes there are things that you can't avoid, but that doesn't mean that you should avoid stepping away altogether. It's always a good choice to choose yourself. It's always a good choice to do what's right for you. And when you are thriving, everyone else around you starts thriving. When you're doing well, you're showing other people in their lives that it's okay to do the hard thing, that you can still thrive after something bad happens in your life. That one bad relationship or one bad relationship with a family member, or one bad experience in a career is not enough to stop you. Because it's not. And it shouldn't be. You are so much stronger than that. And that's what you should know. That's what you should remember. That's what you should make your decision from. Knowing that you deserve better. Knowing that you are stronger. Knowing that you deserve more. And that's all you need to know. Every little thing doesn't have to fall into place when you know that you are moving from that kind of conviction. When you know that from the bottom of your heart you are choosing a better and healthier place in this world for yourself and that's what you should focus on. If you can relate to what I'm sharing in this episode, don't leave now because there are some amazing things coming up that I want to share with you. So it's called I'm Not Asking because I know that you are done. You are done asking for permission about who you should be. You are done wondering about who you should be and who you can be. You are done. You are ready to become who you are and truly transform and start unleashing this person that's always been inside of you because i know that there has been this you that you present to the world and then the you that you are in your head and you're sick of waiting for it you're sick of asking everyone else you're ready to start making your own decisions and that's what this is all about I'm not asking my three-month coaching program, which I am so, so excited about. The doors are officially open for this coaching program, and you are going to be able to work with me one-on-one for three full months. So this includes 12 75-minute coaching sessions. We get to sit down once a week and go through what you've been dealing with, what's been coming up for you, celebrate your wins, and in between, you also have email access to me. So in between our coaching calls when something is coming up when you're feeling stuck when you are not sure how to implement something that we've been talking about or even if you just want to share something that you are really proud of yourself for I get to be in your back pocket, I get to continue to cheer you on and praise you and remind you of your worth, I get to coach you through all those moments where you're feeling low and when you're doubting yourself or feeling afraid of what you want to accomplish, and I will literally be your best friend and your guide throughout this entire process. So this also includes things like EFT and neuro-linguistic programming, this also includes the optional use of tarot. If you are into tarot, then we can easily bring readings into some of our coaching calls. If you are not into tarot, it is not a mandatory part of this coaching process at all. You also get personal guided meditations, you get personalized journal prompts and exercises. Everything in this process revolves around what you need in the moment and helps you bring you from where you are right now to your next level. I haven't created a curriculum for this because it is not like a group course. It is not about a blanket lesson for everyone every week. This is truly a personalized coaching program. And that's what makes it so impactful. So if you are interested in this, there are only four slots available at a time because I truly devote all of my time and energy to each one of my clients in this process. And if you want to learn more, there is an application form. You can learn all the details about what else is included in the program all at the links in the show notes so if you have any questions about the program at all there are places in the application form where you can leave your questions and i will get back to you i am so so excited for the doors finally opening for i'm not asking they are currently open by the time you are listening to this podcast and i just can't wait to connect with you four very lucky individuals throughout this process it is going to be so impactful in your life i've already seen my students and my clients lives transform and completely evolve from the time that we start working together to the time we finish. And some of those are even in month long online courses and in shorter sessions so to work with me for three months and have a quarter of a year dedicated to your healing to your personal growth process to your goals that you want to reach like that is unheard of and I'm so so excited to support the four lucky people that sign up for this in that way so again if you are interested all of the links to do so are in the show notes or you can just visit www.bettygrewup.com. And I also want to remind you that if you have been interested in self-worth coaching or you're thinking about getting coached, but you're not sure if you're ready for a one-on-one service yet, I have just launched a shop for Betty Grew Up where you can purchase digital products. So I have a workshop that I did recently around limiting beliefs and deconstructing self-worth that includes personalized exercises and things that you can do to understand your own limiting beliefs in real time, to also transform those limiting beliefs into an empowering mindset that is going to help you continue to pursue your goals. If you are interested, that workshop is currently available on my store. It is 70 minutes long and it is only $11 right now. I also have a meditation bundle up on my store where you can purchase two guided meditations that are visualizing meditations, both centering around raising your self-worth and embodying confidence and a companion journal workbook that is filled with journal prompts that help you raise your self-worth that help you deepen the work that you accomplished and learned in your guided meditations so these are really really incredible resources to take advantage of and the full meditation bundle is available for 33 dollars all right, my loves, I hope that you enjoyed this different episode, which was kind of a combination of lessons that I've learned and rants that I've been holding back. But let me know if you enjoy random episodes like this. I might throw them in every few months because it was really fun for me to do. And these are all of the thoughts that I have that won't necessarily take up a full episode, but that are really important and that have been huge lessons for me this year. So I hope that you were able to learn something and that you enjoyed it. If you do, don't forget that if you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and you send me a screenshot of the review that you left, that you can claim 10% off of any of my single session services. So that includes single session self-worth coaching, that also includes single session tarot readings. I want to remind you that that is an opportunity that you should definitely take advantage of if you've been curious about getting coached. So if you've been looking for a low cost way to work with me to know more of what it's like to experience coaching with me or experience working with me, these just give you a teeny tiny glimpse into what one on one coaching can really be like. So I'm super excited for you to have these digital downloads available to you that you can return to whenever you'd like. And I've heard so many good things about the workshop, about the meditations already. It helped someone, I know, land a job interview, which was incredible. That was one of the empowerment meditations that I did. So I really highly recommend checking those out if you are interested in learning more about working with me, and I will link all of those below in the show notes. So thank you so, so much, as always, for listening to this episode, for being with me through these random, but hopefully very important and impactful lessons, and happy healing.